What's going on, everybody? Happy Sunday. Welcome to a Sunday night sports edition of the Loro Antonio Sports Talk podcast on the, of the weekly sports show. I'm your host, Loro Antonio. Keith is back with me to talk about MLB, NFL, and, uh, ML, and NBA news. But we're going to talk about some breaking news first before we talk about some of the good stuff. So how's, how's it going, man? And uh, it's been a long since it's been two weeks since we did the, did a show. So how's it going? Uh, I'm good, man. I'm, I'm good. Been a minute, like you said, just ready to get after it. All right. So let's start off with some breaking news, sad news in baseball. Um, David Ortiz, the the all-time great Boston Red Sox designated hitter, has been shot at, at the Dominican Republic and has been hospitalized. So thoughts and prayers go out to the Vic, to, to David and his family and for the Boston Red Sox organization. I'm sure that the Red Sox organization, Tom, John Henry, Tom Lerner, and their entire ownership and, uh, and, and Dave Dombrowski are – I'm very concerned about this situation. Absolutely. And you got to send out prayers to, you know, the Red Sox organization and and their fan base as a whole. I'm sure that entire fan base is incredibly shook right now. And, um, you know, the only thing that we can really pray for at this point is that everything is able to go smoothly uh, with David Ortiz at the hospital. An incredibly sad situation. So all of our prayers with him and his uh, his loved ones. And his family, too, including his children, his wife, and the people that love him in the Dominican Republic. As you all know, David Ortiz is the all-time greatest player in Boston Red Sox history. Absolutely, and you could argue that he's certainly one of the greatest baseball players to ever come out of the Dominican Republic. Certainly an icon for, uh, for that country. So this is just a, an incredibly sad piece of news to get at this time of night. Absolutely. Although he didn't find a home in, with the Twins... The Boston Red Sox is his home. Yeah, he is the great. He is one of the greatest Boston Red Sox players of all time. You could argue the greatest DH of all time, and uh, just just really a tragedy. You really hate to see it. Yeah, let's not get into that. So now let's talk about now. Uh, let's talk about the Mets first. So you had a series with the Dodgers, and I was at one of the games. Like I sent you a picture of. When Alex Verdugo hit that walk-off sack fly in Game 3, Game 2, you guys won that game. Steve Matz had a great game. And then Game 4 of that series, uh, Jason Vargas. I didn't expect him to pitch well, but Jason Vargas ended up going deep because you know this Mets bullpen was depleted. But the Dodgers, however, got to Edwin Diaz in Game 3 of this series because you know he's the only bright spot. Absolutely. The Mets. Absolutely. And, you know, it really – really highlighted you know in this series other than honestly the only thing I can really say that I was very pleased about like you mentioned Steven Matz had a great start and the offense played pretty well but I you know the biggest thing was just the bullpen struggles and I mean particularly highlighted in a game where there was a point where the Mets were up by about six runs going into going into the final inning and final three innings and um, you know, just unable to hold the lead. And it's it's really a shame because, you know, you get to see the offense break out against a pretty, pretty, pretty solid pitching staff, one of the top five pitching staffs in baseball. And the bullpen sullies that by just not being up to the task. And obviously you got to give credit where credit is due. The Dodgers hitters put together such incredible at-bats late in games to be able to overcome that bullpen. Um, but you know, it's just, it, it's, it's really a shame because it's sullied, like I said, what was a really solid performance by the Mets offense. Yeah. in that game I went to, and also 
I credit Pete Alonzo in that game. I was shocked when he hit those two homers. I was like, I told my you, man. God. I told you, man. The kid has unbelievable power, and it's not just it's not just raw like it's raw power, but it's not just he's you know all or nothing type of guy. He's one of those guys that can hit too. Like he has the ability to hit the ball the opposite field, obviously, as you saw with the first home run that he hit at the game you were at. He's an incredible hitter. Yeah, and he also hit one into the uh, into the Dodger bullpen. Yeah, he did. Second and home run he did. And Mocker Bueller did, didn't look his best in that game, too. No, he did not. And I give credit for the Mets to being able to jump on him early on in the game, especially Alonzo like that, making a mark on what what – what a lot of you know by standards, that first pitch that he hit in the right in uh, into the right center field seats for a home run, that's a pretty good pitcher's pitch on the outside corner with velocity. And you know, to he the fact that he's able to go the opposite way with a type of pitch like that with such incredible power uh, just shows the amount of potential that he has moving forward. And Thor was pitched a solid game, but he could have pitched better. He could have. I saw him. He, he absolutely could have. And he was still going through that stretch of inconsistency, which he seems to have had all year. Today, he had a really, really good start uh, against the Colorado Rockies, but just hasn't really seemed on a consistent basis to be able to establish movement and consistent location with his stuff. He pitched pretty well that day. Again, a day that the bullpen uh, obviously highlighted by Edwin Diaz's collapse in the ninth inning really sullied what was actually a pretty decent performance. And then game one, talk about Jacob DeGrom kind of pitching a gem in that game, but he gave up the home run to Cody Bellinger, though. Yeah, I mean, you know, give credit where credit is due. Obviously, Bellinger is just on an absolute tear and, you know, really a shame because he, like you said, he was kind of pitching a gem, just had such a high pitch count was up around the 90s going into the end of the fifth inning. So you had to take him out. And then obviously uh, the bullpen highlighted by Bachelor and Zamora's struggles really just could not figure it out. Yeah, and also I saw in the eighth inning, the game I went to, Jarris Familia gave up the home run to Seager. And then Edwin Diaz got owned by Jock Peterson and... And Max Muncy. You know, Max Muncy loves hitting off of Edwin Diaz. He absolutely does. And Muncy's one of those guys that just likes hitting high-velocity pitchers because he loves to be able to elevate that hot, you know, that fastball and, you know, let the, let the velocity provide the power. And, you know, it, I don't care how hard you throw. I've been saying this for years. I don't care how hard you throw. These are major league hitters. Just because Edwin Diaz is humming it in there in the high 90s doesn't mean that you can just get away with mistake pitches to back-to-back batters like he did with Peterson and, uh, and with Max Muncy. And also, hi, I was shocked. I thought Corey Seager was safe when Carlos Gomez made that unbelievable throw in center field. Yeah, that was, that was actually a strike. I, you know, I, I didn't think that he had arm strength like that anymore. You know, he used to back in the day, obviously. But, you know, really showed off a nice cannon right there. Bang, bang, play at the plate. Yeah, that was he was out at third base. Oh, and third then, base. Excuse me, I'm sorry. And then also, we, I want to highlight Will Smith. He he hit a, he hit his first major league head off of Steven Steve Matz. Yes, I got I was able to watch that moment. Actually, I was um you know I was a little busier that night, but I caught a glimpse of Will Smith's hit. Gotta absolutely gotta love when a guy is able to come up and get his first hit with his family sitting in the stands. And from from what I understand, if I'm remembering this correctly, he's a he's a California kid, isn't he? No, Will Smith's a Kentucky kid, like Walker Ken- okay. Miller. But Will Smith, I think, is going to be a big part of this 
Dodgers catching trio with Kyber Ruiz in the future. Yeah, I like him a lot. I, I like him. I think he's got a really good swing. And, you know, if he's – Steven uh, – look, I, I understand that Steven Matz is not one of the top flight pitchers in baseball, but that's still a pretty good name to get your first home run off of. And then in the seventh, talk about when a grand slam off of Scott Alexander, Michael Conforto hit a grand slam in the seventh inning. That was the one to highlight. Yeah, you really love to see it. And, you know, just an unbelievable job of staying on that pitch. Breaking ball was thrown to him on the home run by Scott Alexander. And, um, you know, what we really what I really love to see with Michael Conforto is over the last couple of years, he has become so much better at staying in on curveballs and being able to drive those pitches the opposite way. And he does an unbelievable job here. And, you know, what was the situation perfectly set up for Alexander, uh, you know, lefty on lefty matchup, throws him a curveball, just leaves it too much over the middle of the plate. And Conforto really showing you that beautiful swing and all of that power potential that he has if he could really just get into his group. Yeah, that's what I saw. But game four, uh, I thought when the Dodgers had the bases loaded, I thought we were going to own Jason Vargas, but he was able to get a good seven innings out. You, you guys were able to get a good seven innings out of Jason Vargas, but still lost the game. Yeah, and Even there's – Jason Vargas is from, my, is from my neck of the woods. Yeah, and there is no I, – I guarantee you on this planet, there is no more shocked human being than me as far as what Jason Vargas not only did in that game, but what he's been doing recently over the last like five starts or so for Vargas in three or four starts or so for Vargas, he has an under two ERA. And I just, I I'm, I'm in shock. I really don't believe it. I honestly had very high expectations for the Dodgers offense going into that game. I thought they were going to put up a lot of runs on him very early. Yeah. But the Mets were like, Oh, we, our bullpen was so tired. We needed Vargas to go deeper into the game. Yeah, they really did. I mean, they taxed the hell out of that bullpen. And, um, you know, you got to give I, – I give a lot of credit, honestly, to Jason Vargas. I, I really didn't expect that from him. It was a very good start. And then the Mets, however, they took they, – they won one of their games against Arizona. And then, and then even though I don't like the Giants, you guys beat them in that Thursday game on a walk-off by Todd Frazier. Yes. Oh, yes. And that was – that was a bit. That was a good series to win. Not just because, not not because of the fact that they were on a little bit of a snide. Obviously, losing three out of four to the Dodgers and losing two out of three to the Diamondbacks. But because you you measure, you know, you need to beat the teams that you need to beat, like the San Francisco Giants that are low in the standings, especially at home. And it was really nice to get back from what was a disappointing West Coast show come back and give the fans a two out of three series win against the Giants. That's really nice. And then they won the series uh, today uh, by beating the Colorado Rockies. So very Did you happy. get a glimpse at Brendan Rodgers in that series? Yeah, I got a glimpse of Brendan Rodgers. I'll tell you what, man, I, I am very excited for this kid. And, um, you know, he, he's obviously gotten a ton of hype, uh, you know, coming up through the minor leagues and in high school, you know, obviously he was one of the bigger, uh, one of the bigger names, but I, you know, he didn't, he didn't greatest impact in the world, but his swing is just so pretty. And I think that he's going to fill in nicely in a lineup that's just loaded with offensive talent. With Trevor Story, Charlie Blackman, obviously your leadoff hitter and right fielder. And I think Ramel Tapia should go to center field. And then Ian Desmond goes to the bench like a Kike Hernandez type role because David Dahl's in left field. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you 100%. Because Ramel Tapia is, mo- is way faster than 
Ian Desmond. Covers so much more ground. He absolutely does. And I think he has a much more accurate arm as well. Ian Desmond is a very strong arm, but I think uh, it's, it's much more accurate from what you're going to see from Tapia. And then you got the return of Daniel Murphy, too. Uh, always fun. Always fun to see Daniel Murphy. And then talk about my Dodgers last week. After we took three out of four from you guys, we swept the Phillies and then took two out of three from the Diamondbacks. But in the Philly series, what I liked was my favorite, the highlight of the Dodgers Philly series was when Will Smith hit the walk off home run. Yes, incredibly Austin awesome. Hector Neris, who, who obviously isn't that good. No, he's not. And that, that makes me question even more why they did not jump on the opportunity to sign Craig Kimbrell. They have no established closer at the back end of their bullpen. We and talked about this before. I, absolutely. I told you it would be. I predicted the closer of the Phillies would be Sir Anthony Dominguez. Yeah, and he's going to end. He's not even going to play the rest of the season. I, from what I understand, he's going to end up having a uh, Tommy John surgery. Who Dominguez? Yeah, that's from, that's what that I read. That is a huge blow to this to the Phillies. Yeah, it it really that is. is. Huge. Yeah, that's a big arm at the back end of the at the back end of the bullpen. Who's gonna be their closer now? Not <sighs> Hector Neris. Yeah, I no, definitely not Hector Neris. I guess the only option that they really have as far David as David Robertson is he he's, a closer? No, absolutely not. He's a glorified setup man. They're not gonna hit. Maybe Pat Neshek. Maybe, they but for the short term, they, he has a good sidearm pitch. They could. The thing with Pat Neshek is that in his contract, he has it negotiated that he can only be used in certain situations. So they wouldn't really be able to use him on a night in, night out basis the same way to the co- they would uh, depend on a closer. It's a, it's a very weird like su- like set of circumstances with him. I don't understand that at all. Like why why would you negotiate that into your contract? I think I think for now there's nothing you can do with this Phillies bullpen. I think Hector Neris right now has to be the closer. No, it's it's a disaster this bullpen right now, and they lost the game to the Reds. They were up three to one in the seventh inning today, and and their bullpen blew it after what was a really solid start for Marinola, and, and they know, wasted it. They wasted it. They absolutely did. He and the Phillies could have just stuck with Nola for the rest of the game, let him finish it off. Yeah, they could have. And listen, we've seen this over the last couple of years where, you know, how important these bullpens are becoming. If your bullpen is your Achilles heel, especially for a team like the Phillies that are sitting in first place right now, that is going to do you such a huge detriment, especially if they were to make it into the playoffs. I think the Dodgers right now have the better bullpen than the Phillies do. I agree with you. But the, Do- but the Dodgers bullpen's a little bit weaker because they just don't have a guy – I mean, Joe Kelly can't get it going right now, but Pedro Baez is, 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 the, is the trusted guy for the eighth inning at this point. Yeah, but the thing is, is that at least you have not only a close, the best, arguably the best closer in baseball in Kenley Jansen, but at least you have someone of an eighth inning guy who can be trusted. I mean, right now in that bullpen, maybe besides David Robertson, who, who can you really say is going to go out there on a consistent basis and get you outs? Uh, yeah, and that's why the Dodgers got the Dodgers swept the Phillies. They were able to take advantage of that starting pitching. I thought Sunday's game was a pitcher's duel until the Dodgers won eight nothing. Rich Hill against Nick Pavetta. Mm-hmm. Nick Pavetta, I thought he was struggling heading into this series, but he pitched pretty good. And then and then the Dodgers were able to get to uh, Jack Carrietta. Yeah, they were. They absolutely. And then were. They were supposed to see Zach Eflin Saturday, but they ended up going with an opener. Yeah, and Jose Alvarez. I mean you. You hit. You talk about it just now. The strong, you know, Nick Pavetta pitched all right, and they were able to take advantage of Jake Arrieta. But I mean, you 
that kind of highlights why this bullpen is so important, right? It's that inconsistency that you get. What are you getting from your starting pitching on a day-in, day-out basis? It's kind of, you know, if you have a starting rotation that struggles, you have to tax your bullpen more and more. And no matter how good of arms those guys have, you continue to have that inconsistency over the course of the season with your starting rotation where you have to constantly, you know, feed more and more innings into your bullpen. That's only going to make it worse. And what makes that even worse is the fact that you're going to have to tax that bullpen without actually having a good bullpen. It's, it's a very big problem that could end up snowballing for the Phillies. Yeah, absolutely. And then let's highlight the Dodgers-Diamondback series next. So the Dodgers were able – the Dodgers took two out of three. I'm kind of tired of Scott Alexander in high situations because an example of it was when he gave up that walk-off hit to David Peralta, who's arguably – the new Goldschmidt in town in Arizona. Yeah, he's definitely taken over that job of the man uh, for that organization right now, the face of their franchise. And, um, you know, Scott Alexander, it's it's frustrating right now because, you know, you I, kind, I remember you were telling me you kind of looked at him at the beginning of the season as, you know, maybe a primary lefty guy, you know, lefty guy in the seventh inning. And, you know. Yeah, and a ground ball, and a ground ball specialist. Yeah, and the, not showing that. the worst part is, is that. I'm over him already. Yeah, ground ball specialist keeping that ball elevated is going to equal the home runs. Exhibit Michael Conforto, David Peralta. I mean, it's, it's a problem. Yeah, I mean, talk about Monday. You know what I like? The Dodgers finally got to Robbie Ray, which I thought the Dodgers had trouble facing Robbie Ray because Robbie Ray loves pitching at Dodger stadium. And then he just loves pitching against the Dodgers in general because he has the Dodgers number, but Corey Seager was able to hit the home run off of Ray. He's starting to get it going, but Rob, but still Robbie Ray is still a guy that, that just loves to pitch against the Dodgers, but he, but he's having a bounce back healthy season from what I see in Robbie Ray. Yeah, he definitely is. ERA above three, but I think his only weakness is, is that he just walks a lot of batters. Yeah, he does. And that that's, you know, when you have health issues, it's very difficult to get right back up on the mound and immediately have that consistent control. So that I think I expected a little bit because he's still kind of getting back to, you know, finding rhythm with the health of his body again. That kind of happens. Yeah, he, he had an injury play 2018 season. He was six and two last year because I thought last year he was going to follow up from his 15 and five year, but it looks like now this year he started, he's, 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 uh, you know, he is one healthy. He's, the, he's the number two guy on the rotation of the Diamondbacks behind Granky. Yeah. But if Granky gets traded, then you could see him take over as the ace of this team. Oh, absolutely. I think he falls right in line to be able to do that. You know, with his, he, he goes in deep into games. He's got great stuff. It's really just have always been about him staying healthy. And also walking batters, too, because I oh, feel yeah. like the Dodgers can get to him. But he just, however, just loves to pitch against the Dodgers. No, for that some reason, some he does. Reason, there's just some reason why the bats of the Dodgers can't get to him early. No, I, you know, I, I think it's one of those just like competitive rush things where you're just it's like, you know, the Los Angeles Dodgers. You know, it's like a big name, you know, the big team that you're going up against and you just get you know, competitively riled up. I think he just focuses more intently on the Dodgers, and obviously it's paid off for him. And then and then in one of the games, the Dodgers got to Taylor Clark, and then John Duplantier, who pitched Wednesday, had a tremendous ball game, actually. Yeah, he really did. He, he really, really did that day, and, um, you know, really capped off a... Uh... But, but we didn't see Zach Granke, though. You guys saw Zach Granke. Yeah, we saw Zach Granke, and... Uh... And you guys got to him? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I, I was actually kind of shocked. I mean, 
You know, no, normally in the past, they have just like, like Granky has just made them look like a junior high school team. Like I, that, that is like, that's just normally what it is. Like even when he stopped being able to throw above 90 consistently, he was still just, he's just had the Mets number just because he's able to change speeds the way he does. Yeah. He, he loves pitching against the Mets, but the Dodgers just like to hit off of him. Yeah, it's left the Dodgers to yeah. Arizona. Yeah, it's like that. It's a it's a revenge clause for them. I I really like that. It's a revenge clause for the Dodgers for sure. And also, um, when you saw the Diamondbacks, like like we talked about earlier, did you did you see did you see some good things from Nick Ahmed? Because he, I highlighted him as like one of those other cornerstone pieces on this Diamondbacks team. Now that Goldschmidt's gone. Yeah, no, he looks solid. Yeah, he looked pretty solid when uh when, when the uh when the Mets were down in Arizona. Um, you know, good shortstop too. Very good shortstop. Excellent defensively. You know, that's the but one thing that really stood out. Healthy though, and, yeah. and who can't catch a break right now is Jake Lamb. No, he cannot, and it's a shame because when he's on the field, he is actually a very very power. Um, but you know, like you said, just can't stay healthy. The one thing I will say, you mentioned Nick Ahmed. I mean, he he played really well defensively. Did not hit super well in the series. I think he only had, I think he only had like one. He went one for twelve in the series. Yeah, I'm seeing it right here. He went one for twelve against the Mets. And then no Wilmer Flores because he's obviously on the injured list with a foot injury. And then Adam mm-hmm. Jones left one of the games when I saw the Dodgers play the Diamondbacks of his uh, hamstring tightness. But I don't think it's an injury. It's an injury list injured list stint. So. I think the Diamondbacks will take it day by day with him and, and wait and see if he's 100%. But Adam Jones, Adam Jones, I think, is, a, is, is definitely a guy that when the Diamondbacks had him, he was going to take over for A.J. Pollock there. And I think he's done a nice job down there. Yeah, he actually has. A lot of, I think a lot of people were doubting him, especially with his ability to play the outfield as he's starting to get older now. But no longer, you know, no he's longer actually like center field that much. He's now, he, he's now a right field. Not consistently. Not consistently, but I mean, he can still run balls pretty well out there. Still has a pretty solid arm. But in arm. center field, you and have to I'm... cover a lot of ground. So that's why when when Wilmer Flores comes back, I don't expect I don't expect Flores to be a starter because I expect Gerard Dyson to to to, to be the starting center fielder for the Diamondbacks, and then Kent can keep Cattell Marte at second base. Yeah, definitely need that light. That uh, excuse me. I definitely need that really good speed out of Gerard Dyson in center field to be able to cover all that ground. And and then Eduardo Escobar has been solid for this team. Christian Walker, my goodness, he's definitely in the race for the NL Rookie of the Year race with Alex Verdugo and Paddock. And then, obviously, the, the Padres just got Tatis Jr. back from the injured list, which is big for yeah, them. Yeah, which is fantastic. I'm sure they missed them. Yeah, they that's missed him. Yeah, they absolutely did. They they do miss him a lot, and just I'm just throwing this out there. Don't forget about Pete Alonso in the National League Rookie of the Year race. I'm just saying. Don't forget about the him. rivalry series, the Dodgers and Giants. And today, for example, man, Madison Bumgarner just can't catch a break with his behavior against the Dodgers because he yelled at Matt <sighs> Muncy after he hit that home run into the McCovey Cove today. Friday, the Dodgers <sighs> won that game. I thought the Giants got lucky to win that game. They could have just came back, even though the bullpen was strong. But Saturday, the Dodgers' bats showed up in the later innings. Yeah, they really did. I'm sorry. Real quick, I just want to mention something. I just saw on Twitter Pete Abraham 
um, has reported that David Ortiz is solid and he is stable right now in the hospital after being shot in the leg. So I just wanted to put that out there real quick, just about David Ortiz, just so everybody is. Yeah, that's good. That's good news, right? That's good for, for big poppy right now. Excellent. Very, very good news. Now at the all-star game. Yes. Yes, we will. I can't wait now. Yes. Now I have been, I, I have been really annoyed with this whole Madison Bumgarner thing all day. I don't know if we – I'm pretty sure we've talked about this once before where I have, I have a very op- – even though I'm a pitcher, I have a very opposite opinion of like pretty much the majority of baseball on bat flips. I don't care about them. And the reason why I don't care about them is because hitting a major league pitch is so incredibly hard. And like if, if a hitter gets – if a hitter hits a home run – they should be allowed to celebrate. And you, you want to know, know what you do if you're a pitcher and a guy celebrates off you? Stop giving them a reason to celebrate. Get them out. It's called competing. Stop being a baby. And especially Madison Bumgarner. Like, you've been in the league for literally eight years now. It's getting tired. Like, just – you give up a home run, just go to the next batter, throw a strike, and get back into the game. Yeah, he, he, he's always – he's had that history with uh... – Yasiel Puig. That was the only run of the game for the Dodgers today, and they they won that game on nothing. But Bueller and Bumgarner both pitched very good ball games today. Yes, they absolutely did, and Bumgarner was really able to recover from that home run after Tempest and he yelled at Larry Walker played umpire because of that strike call he didn't like, and and he also went at one of the Dodger games I went to against the Giants. I kind of saw him gesturing at Alfonso Marquez, who worked behind the plate then. Yeah, Matt, uh, if there's one thing you know about Madison Bumgarner, it's the fact that he is he is really not shy when it comes to showing up umpires. He will let you know if you screwed up. Like it's I, I kind of admire it in a sense because it's you know, it's holding the umpires accountable. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but I mean at, at the same time too, it's not going to help you. Like if I show up an umpire why would that umpire want to give me, you know, the borderline calls, especially later on in the game when I may need them the most? Oh, yeah. And also, what we want to highlight in this series is that Friday, I thought the Dodgers were going to get to Drew Pomeranz because I heard he had one of his worst starts in Baltimore, but he ended up pitching a, good, a solid five innings. And then Jeff Samarja yes, he did. ended up getting the loss on Saturday, but he did pitch well until, I think, the sixth inning for Jeff Samarja. Yeah, yeah, about that, about the but sixth I looked inning. At the actually looked I pretty him, decent. I'm like, the Dodgers just got to get to him early because his first inning ERA is over not, is up at at like 9.00. And then two two innings or later, it's at, it's in the low twos. Yeah, he's one of those guys that just gets off to rough starts. And it's because he doesn't start off immediately with that great command. He just is trying to find feel and velocity for the most part. And, you know, that's when you can jump on him very early the Dodgers in the game. can because I know, I know the Dodgers – I know Samarja just gets owned by the Dodgers. Yeah, historically he has to I, – I don't know the exact ERA, but I'm sure it's yeah, pretty it's high against the Dodgers. the Dodgers in his career, and he hasn't beaten them since he was a member of the Cubs before going to the Giants. Oh, boy. My God, Jeff Samarja – I can't even remember what Jeff Samarja looks like in a Cubs uniform. That must have been Samarja has like long eight or nine years ago. was originally going to be a wide receiver. Oh yeah, he played at no. He played football in Notre Dame. I and then forgot he's about now that. a pitcher, but Samarja is just a hit and miss. 
out of this Giants rotation. Yeah. But who they really need is Johnny Cueto because the thing with Johnny Cueto is he he's a, he's just a game changer, and I think it, it would help with the development of Derek Rodriguez. I think I would get Derek Rodriguez back into the rotation, put Tyler Bead in the bullpen, and if if there's one odd man out to go to the bullpen when Johnny Cueto comes back, that'd be Drew Pomeranz. Yeah, I would definitely agree with you. And I, I'm sure the Giants cannot wait for Johnny Cueto to get back into the rotation. I can't wait personally, even though he, even though Johnny Cueto is very, very unhittable when he is on. And has and the Jimmy shake the when he has the when he I get very entertaining. I get confused when I see him pitch against, especially against the Dodgers, because I don't know what I just don't know what th- pitch he's throwing. You know. No, absolutely. Yeah, and he really started that trend. He'll bully you. He started that trend. Yeah, he will. And, you know, Mark, you know, you see guys like, you know, like Marcus Stroman are imitating that now. He really started a, a really, really big trend with but that. But the Giants, I tell you, they can't wait to get Johnny Cueto back out in the mountain. There are rumors about the Giants trading Bumgarner and some of their bad contracts, but I don't think they should because they should be those – those. I don't think they should, in my opinion. I don't think Farhan Zadi should because they they – I think the Giants need those guys to help mentor some of the up-and-coming young guys in their farm system. Because, you know, yeah, I, I kind of wants to do it because he wants he wants to make sure that the Giants save money. And I know Farhan's a smart, a smart guy. I remember him working for the Dodgers with Andrew Friedman, and now he's running their baseball ops for the Giants, you know? Yeah, he's an incredibly smart dude. But I think at the same time, you have to – I you know, obviously – I get you want to have those guys around to mentor the young guys as they come up. But there's also this idea of if they don't want to be there, they don't want to be there. And to me, I feel like he, I feel like Madison Bumgarner wouldn't have, you know, put out all this information concerning where he wants to go as far as trades or just any information about trades at all. I think if there wasn't some sort of indication, I think uh, his no trade list is so weird to me. Like, you know, the Yankees are on there, the Brewers are on there, the Phillies are on there. There's, like, eight teams, and I'm pretty sure at the very minimum, six of them are, like, competitive for either a division crown or a wild card spot right now. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Absolutely. And also, when I saw this Dodgers-Giants series, uh, I, I, got a, I like Mike Yastrzemski, the grandson of Carl Yastrzemski. Very, very solid hitter. Yeah, he's not bad. I was actually pretty shocked. I got to I got to take a look at him a little bit um, during the uh, during the Giants and Mets and series. And, you know, he was uh, the debut at twenty eight, which is kind of weird. Yeah, that that is it, it's very weird. You know, we all think everybody thinks about rookies being like twenty one, twenty two years old, and then you know you get that occasional guy like Yastrzemski, Yastrzemski who slips through the cracks at twenty eight. It's 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 very interesting, but it's awesome to see that perseverance throughout his minor league yeah, career. Yeah, for as well. him to get that call up to be a to be a member of the Giants, and also Kevin Pillar has been a good addition to this Giants team. He's now a right fielder, and Stephen Duggar in center field. But really, what I think the Giants miss right now is Buster Posey. Yeah, they do. You miss that steady presence behind the plate, and you miss that steady presence at the plate when he is hitting. And um, you know, he's, he's the centerpiece of that franchise. Obviously he's been the centerpiece of that franchise uh, ever since he came up and won a world like series we talked with about them. Before, and, he shouldn't um, be, a, he shouldn't be a catcher anymore. He should go to first base now. Absolutely not. He should to save his knees permanently. Absolutely. I agree with you. That end, that he has, last and you year, know, he had a hip operation that ended his season. And I was thinking, Oh, will he ever be behind the plate again? I'm, I would say no. Cause I, I think 
I, I wouldn't even allow it. Because I think I think Buster Posey should go to first base, and then you put uh, Brandon Belt in left field, and then Jashremski could 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 start in right field for Kevin Pillar when Pillar needs a a rest day. Yeah, I agree with you. You know, um, you know, preserve Buster Posey's career, but also you get you know. It's a really great way to keep to keep him healthy for hitting as well. I mean, obviously, the use of the hips uh, in hitting is so incredibly crucial. And it, listen, if he's had hip surgery already, and he's what like thirty one, thirty two, he's not getting it's not getting any healthier, especially not. Yeah, him. absolutely. And after the with this series, the Dodgers coming up, I look forward to seeing them play round one of the annual freeway series when the Dodgers take on the Angels. So, and yeah, Hunjin Ryu's been phenomenal and he's going up against the future ace of the angels griffin canning a local kid who i think ever since garrett richards left i think griffin canning is going to be their ace yeah not a very big name around the major leagues but if you are a baseball fan keep your eyes on griffin canning kid has really really good stuff and for the first time in a while the dot the excuse me the angels have really kind of brought up a kid uh, from their farm system, as far as pitching goes, who you really feel like at you know one point can reach that ace type of potential. The first guy in a long time, probably since Garrett Richards. Yeah, I think I think Griffin Canning will be their number one guy over Tyler Skaggs. I think yeah. Tyler Skaggs is not going in this series. Felix Pena is going to go game two, and 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 the player to watch in this series. What I look forward to seeing is when Kenta Maeda throws the pitch to Shohei Otani. Yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. We saw um, we saw Shohei Otani face off against Yusei Kikuchi uh, when the Angels played a series, just played the their Bears series against the Seattle Mariners since the beginning of the season. I'm like, oh god, I'm they're like, horrible. I man. told you, Scott Service, I think, is going to get fired at the end of the season. No, he will. Yeah, I, I mean, think the Mariners, oh my god, I cannot the Mariners believe are it. heading in a new direction. And, the Mariners, I think they fell off is because they know that the Houston Astros are the better team in the American League West. It's really sad. They showed something very early on in the season. But they but fell I off do, a cliff. They did, absolutely. And a lot of I, – I will say this, though. A lot of what they were doing early on in the season was kind of predicated around their hitting. Nothing about their pitching staff was really so phenomenal. Obviously, Felix is getting older. And I, I feel like Marco Gonzalez is still not really adjusting to that role of being a number one guy. Take and then once the Felix offense fell flat, they – Okay, but I've always liked King Felix. Yeah, King Felix is – King Felix is certainly one of my favorite pitchers that I've watched while growing up. But – I mean, I mean, damn, you know, they looked like in the beginning of the season they could do something. And I think they've won oh, – what did they want? I, I think I saw yesterday it was like they've won only 17 of their last, like, 55-some-odd ball apart. games. It's like something division, crazy. Who's better than the Mariners in the bottom? And I think the Texas Rangers are heading into the right, in the right direction. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they at least have, you know, a, a really, really solid young core of pieces. Samson, Gallo, Nomar, Mazzara. Um, Chris you know, Woodward, they're, they're, I, third base coach Chris the Woodward, Dodgers, absolutely. Who I love. Yeah, I, I mean, I, they I, are. I really, th- I really think he's doing really good things for this Texas Rangers ball club. He absolutely is, and you know, they're. Set, I agree with you one hundred percent that they're set up in a much better position. It's a. Oakland it's really a shame what's happening in Seattle. But Houston, the Houston Astros are definitely the better team in that division. 
Oh, absolutely. They're just they're just a bunch of beasts. And I mean, you you want to talk about dominance. Look at what's happening at the top of their rotation right now with, you know, Justin Verlander and, and Garrett Cole. They Seems like they're putting out ten plus strikeouts a night. The colors will be their ace when he comes off of Tommy Lance John's surgery. Lance McCullers will develop into their ace as long as as long as Justin Verlander and Garrett Cole are doing what they're doing. You know, McCullers is arguably the best number three starter in baseball. Yeah, right but now. he's not he's not playing this year because of Tommy John surgery. But back to the Dodgers Angels series. So Hansel Robles, a former Met you're familiar with, he is now taking over the closer role now that uh, Cody Allen is no longer the closer. <laughs> Oh God, that's funny. That's funny. I didn't know that. Wow, comes out that is he got, hilarious. He comes out, you know, if you watch WWE, he comes out to the Undertaker song. Does he really? Oh my God! Come and on. And then no Matt Harvey, Andrelton Simmons is hurt. Justin Upton's on the sixty-day DL. They don't know when he's coming back. But talk about the Angels. When everybody's healthy, they are a great team. But when they have guys hurt, they can't. They can't win. No, they have a real. They have a good lineup. That's the thing. I mean, but the you only talk problem about for the Angels Simmons. is starting pitching. They got to build that rotation around Griffin Canning. Yeah, Griffin they do, Canning and you know, only bright these... spot in their rotation. Well, and Shohei when he comes, but Shohei's back. not pitching this year. He's, he can only hit. I know not. I know not this year. When he eventually comes Next back, season he'll 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 do double yes. duty again. But this year. He just can't hit. He just can't pitch this year since he just had Tommy John surgery. He's just only hitting this year. Yeah, yeah, and it's a short manned rotation with that, with Canning at the top. Talk but, about I the mean, rotation of t- Canning t- and Otani, man. That's oh man, that will be really good oh. at the top. Oh goodness, you want to talk about strikeout stuff from a one-two punch? Like wow, that would be Tyler unbelievable. Skagg is not really the ace. No, he's not. He's very inconsistent. No, Andrew Heaney gets hurt all the time, and Tyler Skaggs just doesn't really have the stuff to be that type of one uh, number Andrew one guy. Simmons and Justin Upton in the lineup, but you can't oh, you can't rely on Mike Trout and Cole Calhoun every game. Not every single game, but I mean, around Mike my, Trout. No, you do absolutely. You can't have just one guy in a major league lineup that you can key around and you know kind of find a way. They are a mess right now. They just don't. They, they just are. don't have a next man up mentality like the Dodgers do. Because the Dodgers have no, a well they don't. roster. And the Angels just don't. No, they do not. And it's kind of like the way I kind of compare this is kind of like a team, a, a football team with like a bunch of star players, but no quarterback. And the no quarterback for the Angels in this situation is their pitching staff. They don't really have a great bullpen. They don't have, besides maybe Canning and then Otani when he comes they back need, next they year. Need to use they don't all that. have. I heard that. This upcoming winter, when the base this baseball season is over, I'm hearing that the Angels are probably going to go all out and uh, go all out and spend that money on the starting pitching. Now that they paid, Mike well, they Trout may all as the well. Money he wants, and I think now I think the Angels need to get some starting pitching and they need to get a better bullpen. Absolutely, they just need they just need to do like other than Canning and Otani, they just need to do like a complete overhaul. Of that pitching Hitting staff, spot. they need to they need to refigure it out. Yeah, oh yeah. But the, when they ain't healthy, is it is it is completely fine. They just need to stay the healthy. Starting That's pitching. the only issue. The, the hitting, the hitting, the hitting. Yeah, and uh, 
Mike Trout's obviously my favorite player in baseball, but Shohei's like my favorite player on the Angels right now when I look at the three-way series coming up before those two for the Dodgers and the Angels. I'm looking forward to that starting tomorrow, and I know you're looking forward to when it's the Subway Series, when the Mets and the Yankees go at it. Oh, man, I cannot wait. Oh, I'm so excited. The Yankees are the better team. And I know. I what know. I think is Gio Urshela, since I think he'll be their starting third baseman, I think when Miguel Andujar returns, he should go to first base so that you keep Urshela in the lineup. But see, the complicated thing about that is, is that, you know, then where do you put Luke Voigt? Because I think they want Luke Voigt at first base every day. I would have DH. John Carlton consistent. He could DH, but no, then where do you put John Carlos Stanton? infield just kind of confusing. I know they it's a good problem to have that they have a lot of good infielders, but they got to clear up that infield log jam. Yeah, I agree with you, but I mean, like there's Glaber's just, it's daughter, just, where do you put DJ guys? LeMahieu, who's having a pretty good season with this Yankees team. I understand. Yeah, absolutely. But and Glaber, I think, you know, labor has been pretty good as well. Yeah. Here's the, here's the thing though. If you're going to put Gio Urshela at, you're going to put Gio Urshela at third permanently. Right. And then put, um, and then put Miguel and Duhar at first base. That takes Luke Voigt off of first no, base. You want to DH him. Be, I, no, Luke Voigt could be the primary DH. And then you put, yes, I understand that. But then where do you put Giancarlo Stanton? Because right I don't trust him in the outfield at this point I in would his put career. Giancarlo in right. And then in left field would be Clint Frazier. And then in center field, Aaron Judge. When he comes back. I, I don't love the idea of Judge in center like field. I'm not gonna lie. Aaron Judge is a, is tall, six foot seven, kind of like a basketball player that could catch the ball in center field. Does he have the optimum range, really? Though for Boone, what you really Aaron want Boone in a center fielder, that. I think Aaron Boone likes that idea, and me. I to put Aaron, I do not like Aaron Judge in center field. I'm not gonna lie. I don't love that idea. I'm not a huge fan of it. You're not a huge fan of Aaron Judge being in center field? No, I don't like that idea very much. I'm not going to lie to you. He's seen he's more of a more of a corner guy to me. Yeah, and then let's talk about my power our power rankings for baseball throughout the first two months of the season. So, the top 2, I have the Dodgers and the Astros and the Minnesota Twins and then and then the Chicago Cubs who beat the Cardinals today and then and then the number 5 team would be the uh, Tampa Bay Rays. Yeah, and the, the biggest one that obviously stands out right in the middle is the Minnesota oh, Twins. That, My, that team stands oof. out to me. You know, man, I told you. You you told me that the Minnesota Twins are going to be a surprise. And do you think the Cleveland mm-hmm. Indians will will end up still? Do you think is it too late now for the Cleveland Indians to catch up to the Minnesota Twins in that division, or no? Or, I don't think or, it's too late. I think it's interesting. I, no I don't know because of how well Minnesota's playing right now. Cleveland has a solid record. They're still in the thick of things. They're not dramatically bad, but the thing with the Indians is they have a healthy Lindor. They have a healthy Jose Ramirez, but what they're missing is a healthy Corey Kluber. Yeah, and once he comes back, they should be fine. I feel like we, you know, I was reading something today that the Indians are going, that there's a good possibility that the Indians could be in sell mode. I think that's a completely ridiculous idea. At the very minimum, with this type of talent, you need to shoot for, at the minimum, a wild card. Even if they can't get back into the, back fully 
um, at the Minnesota Twins, you still need to shoot for a playoff push because this team with those stars can still be very dangerous. Yeah, they still can. They got to get Carlos Carrasco back. They got to get Mike Clevenger back. They got to get Corey Kluber back because he just has a non-displaced fracture in his uh, tibula. But the thing is, I still think I think the Indians and Twins will rule the uh, American League Central for years to come. That's what I think. Yeah, I agree with you. They absolutely will. The White Sox need to get a few more, uh, a few more of their back. pieces. And the they are, are absolutely. Joke. The Royals are a joke. The Tigers are a joke. But the Tigers but, are a you know. little bit better than the than the Kansas City Royals because that's not saying much, though. No, I'm telling you. I was telling you that I think the Cle- the Cleveland Indians and the Minnesota Twins are going to be the, the kings of the American League Central. I think that's going to come down to those two teams every season who is going to be coming out on top in the American League Central. But how I see it right now, I think the Minnesota Twins are going to run away with it. I think they will, and they're playing incredibly well right now. And a lot of that, I think, Baldelli does win the American League Manager of the Year award. Oh my God! Absolutely, he is. He, oh yeah, I think he needs to be right now in consideration for the top spot in in that talk with what he's doing with his team right now. I don't think anybody, especially in his first year with a team that just came off of a disappointing season like that, I don't think anybody expected them to I be doing what Robert they're doing. I think changed the complexion of the Minnesota Twins clubhouse, and I think he's putting them in position to compete for a long time. Because what I see, uh, the, the things I see between him and Paul Molitor, Paul Molitor was more old school. I think Rocco Baldelli is, is, a, better, is a better person in that clubhouse for the Minnesota Twins. Yeah, and that and that is uh, that that's a really good point because he's played in you know in the recent years in Major League Baseball they got a you know with the exception of some veterans it's a fairly young team so it's much easier for the manager to be able to relate to the players and have that good chemistry and it really sets the tone in the clubhouse along with the veterans like a Nelson Cruz being able to provide guidance for those young guys. Yeah, as my well. favorite player on the Twins. I I mean it could be a position player but it has to be a pitcher. It's Jose Berrios. Who's having a remarkable he's, a, he's amazing. He's remarkable. He's amazing. Yeah, he definitely will. He's going to be an all-star. Eddie Rosario is probably going to be an all-star for them. Kepler. They have a Max Kepler might be. They ha, uh, they they just have a really really solid team. I'm Blue impressed Jays, with what they're doing. I still think Vlad Jr. will win the American League Rookie of the Year award since his major league debut. He's been tearing it up. And also yes, he has. Kevin he Vigio, looks incredible. I think he's already the everyday second baseman for them. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Do you agree about my, about what I said about Kevin Biggio, the everyday second yes. baseman for the Blue Jays? Absolutely. The Blue Jays have a bright future with their young Biggio offensive Biggio right stars. now is a 158 average, but I think he's going to continue to grow into a really good hitter. Absolutely. And I agree Lewis with you. He will um, short. Yes, and then uh, when they get uh, when when they get Dante uh, Dante Bichette's kid, Bo Bichette, obviously Bichette. up there, they're gonna have another big offensive bat. You mean Bo Bichette, who's a, who's an outfielder? No, Bo Bichette's yes. a second baseman and a shortstop. No, but wait, what? No, I no no no. I just mean when oh, he comes yeah. up. I'm just looking at Bo Bichette, and then Danny Jansen's having a good year. Marcus Stroman's to- totally their ace. I don't think the Blue Jays should trade him. Aaron Sanchez is off to kind of a slow start, but. I think Aaron Sanchez will pick it up. 
yeah, I, he's got really good stuff. I think he just needs to get back into rhythm. I really hope the Blue Jays don't trade Marcus Stroman. Apparently, the Yankees have a ton of interest in Stroman right now. I really hope the Blue Jays don't trade him. Marcus Stroman should be should definitely a piece to build around for the Toronto Blue Jays. And obviously, the Dodgers won't see the Toronto Blue Jays in L.A. until until August. Yeah, it's going to be a really it's it's a couple it's uh, going to be a little bit of a long time from now, but I, I'm sure you're extremely excited to see Black oh Guerrero Jr. Oh my gosh, I want to see him play against the Dodgers, but as long as we pitch well to him, but I can't wait to see when Tatis plays against the Dodgers. Yeah, that's going to and be a fun one too. For the Dodgers next weekend, you know they play the Cubs, and I think the Dodgers. Will, I do. I think the Dodgers will sweep the Cubs or take three out of four from them because the Cubs are, are a pretty good team. The Cubs are a pretty good team. They they have they really back. really good offense. Obviously, their pitching's coming around. And getting Craig Kimbrell to be their coach. Oh yeah, yeah, that's a big signing for them. I love I that signing. The like I mentioned, in, get Kimbrell. Yeah, I, yeah. I was just gonna say. I think the Phillies. I thought they should have jumped on Craig Kimbrell. I'm absolutely shocked they didn't, and I'm a little upset for that bullpen that they didn't, especially since I just mentioned that uh, Sir Anthony Dominguez may have to get Tommy John surgery. Yeah, and also for your Mets. Coming up this week, you play the New York Yankees at Yankee Stadium, which is going to be a great, mm-hmm. great series. And then the St. Louis mm-hmm. Cardinals are coming into town against the New York, against against the New York Mets. And you, and then when you, and then and then and then the next week, you guys could be seeing Dallas Keuchel when you play the Atlanta Braves. Yeah, that's completely possible. And um, you know, I so. So excited for this Yankees series. I cannot wait. I'm going to be texting all of my friends that are Yankees fans all day. It's going to be wonderful. I it's hope they Yankee win. It's not gonna... at City Field. Subway yeah. series. Oh, you might have to take the, yeah. you might have yeah. to take the eight train to New York. Uh, possibly. I, have not, I haven't been to Yankee Stadium yet. I actually have to go. Apparently, it's incredibly expensive. Though. No, That's but if problem. you go to City Field, you have to take the number seven train. Yes, no, I know because that. Because if you, since you're in New Jersey, you could, you would have to take another train to the seven train. Yes, yeah, I know. Yeah, I and know. then you go to Queens, New York, to uh, to City Field. And yes. Also, it, you know, I forgot to highlight this. You know who also hit a home run when I was there? Ahmed Rosario. Oh yeah, yeah. He's got sneaky power. He's kind of he reminds me of Jose Reyes, but he's with better more than power. Jose Reyes. I think when Jose Reyes was still a Met, he really helped this kid out. I I don't know if I'm ready to immediately say that he's better than Jose Reyes. Like I said, he's got more power than I think Jose Reyes had. But Reyes was just when he was on, when Reyes was healthy, his consistency as far as being a dynamic player, stealing bases, unbelievable defender at shortstop, cannon for an arm. I think Rosario has the ability to get to that potential, but is not fully there yet. I'm not ready to say yet that he is better than Jose Reyes. Yeah, and and also I think. I think Jeff McNeil has been tremendous. Good to have him back, by the way. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Third in the National League in batting average then, right now. Not a lot of people realize I think right that. Right now, when Robbie Cano comes back, I don't. I think Robbie Cano will come back soon. But for now, enjoy Denny Enchevarria at second base. I don't know. I, I'm shocked. I don't know how he's been doing what he's doing. I think he's been playing actually half decent. I mean, his average. His average doesn't look great, but in the games that he's been playing for the Mets, he's actually been pretty decent. I'm and then you shocked. need Brandon Nemo back. And tell me your reaction on the Yohannes Cespedes ankle-breaking thing. That, that is not good. 
Oh, good God. I mean, uh, listen, I'll always be grateful for Yoannis Cespedes for, you know, helping the Mets get to the 2015 World Series. You could argue that him and Daniel Murphy were literally the only reasons they got there um, other than the pitching. But, I mean, like, it, it's just it's just sad to watch people that just can't manage to stay healthy in any sort of capacity. And I think really the only good thing about this is that at least when they have the insurance clause in the contracts, that 80% of that contract gets paid uh, by insurance. So it comes off the Mets books. So they're really only paying him like maybe $12 million as opposed to like 30, but it's just sad. I think that he's probably played his final game in his, in, in uh, with the Mets. I feel like he, and then I'll back. tell you my world series prediction. I would, I'm kind of changed my mind on this because I wouldn't be shocked if it's round two, of the Dodgers Astros World Series because I feel like the Dodgers should go back and get revenge on the Houston Astros. Yeah, I think I wouldn't be shocked about that either, and I would certainly love to see. And that. I think I, I think I think the Dodgers now have a better team than they had in their 2017 World Series run because the Astros' offense back then was better than the Dodgers was. I think the Dodgers will out out slug this Astros' offense. Yeah, the Dodgers offense certainly has gotten better. They they really have up and down the lineup, especially with Verdugo in there, Bellinger the way that he's playing. I think by then Seager will have finally gotten Verdugo, back into a consistent rhythm with his swing. Today. He he didn't play Friday because I heard he, he dealt with back tightness since the racers, but it's not that bad from what I heard. I'm not worried. No, it shouldn't Was be. that? It, it shouldn't a, be a that bad. Back isn't a big deal. No, it's not that that you get a little bit of stretching, you get some massages. But, I, pretty but much he's fun. kind of in a slump right now. His average dropped from three hundred to two ninety three. I'm not worried about that because he's going through growing rookie growing pains right now. But I think he's going to get out of it, and I think he's going to get back on track. Yeah, I agree with you. Every rookie kind of hits like that small wall where you kind of just start to experience the, like you said, growing pains of playing Major League Baseball. He'll be, he'll be perfectly fine. And then Jock Peterson didn't even play today. I heard his back was improving too. Like Verdugo, Jock Peterson and Alex Verdugo were both dealing with stiff backs, but nothing, but, but just don't expect that to be an IL stint. No, I, I don't expect that to be an they IL stint Martin at all. Absolutely. There, Russell Martin on the IL with a tight back. And I thought, that's not a big deal, but since he was a little older, they just did it for precautionary reasons. Yeah, just to, it probably takes him a longer time to recover, obviously. At but, this age. but but with the age of Verdugo and Jock, don't expect him on the IL. No, that's tight back for kids like that. That should be like probably two days, he, just maybe Verdugo a little bit even, of rest. I was expecting Verdugo to be in the lineup today to, to, to against Bumgarner, but you know he's handled left-handed pitching very well, but I think the Dodgers are just being protective of him. Yeah, which is incredibly smart. And I think he'll be he and Jock Peterson will be back in the Angels series because they have two right-handers on the mound in Kenning and and Felix Pena. And then when the Dodgers face the Cubs, the Dodgers will have to face a couple of left-handers in that rotation for the Cubs. Mm-hmm. From what I yeah. see, because when the Cubs come to LA, um, when the Cubs come to LA, they have to see John Lester, which I think Jock Peterson won't be in the lineup for sure. And then they have to see Jose Quintana. Yes. But, and then they see Kyle Hendricks the next day, and they have to see former Dodger Hugh Darvish on Saturday. I wonder if Dodger fans are going to boo him when he takes the mound at Dodger Stadium. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if they booed him. That wouldn't surprise me at all, I wouldn't be shocked all, if they honestly. booed him because of what, what he did in Game 7 of the World Series when he just was rocked. 
Oh God, he was horrible. He was absolutely well, I would terrible. I started in him game. in Game Seven of that World Series. No, I don't think. I, I'm pretty sure they had him. I know they probably didn't have everybody on full rest, but there must have been somebody else that they could. Have I would have to. gone to Clayton Kershaw. You had to start him in a Game Seven, with the series tied up at a at at a, a game apiece, and you and it's do or die, and the World Series is on the line. You have to go with Clayton Kershaw on the mound. That was a terrible decision. Yeah, you got to go. Yeah, I agree. Why you got to go with your number one starter that? in that. And that was that was a decision I disagree with with Dave Roberts. No, I agree. I think I, I I think I like where the intention is. Obviously, having the confidence in your guy to go out there, uh, even though he's not technically your number one guy, was it the right decision? Absolutely not. But I understand why he wanted to do it to you know have that confidence in Darvish. That's great as a manager, but you also have to be able to make the smart decisions. Yeah, that wasn't smart. But you know who I would trust in a Game Seven of a World Series? It comes down to two Dodgers. Clayton Kershaw or Walker Bueller, but if I have to choose one, I would say Walker Bueller because of Kershaw's. Uh, I would because of Clayton Kershaw's uh, kind of poor success in an elimination game. I think Walker Bueller. I would put Walker Bueller as the Game Seven starter of the World Series. If you need one more, I would too. Because you know Walker Bueller pitched in that game one sixty three last year for the division on the line, and he did a phenomenal job. Yeah. Yeah, he showed that, especially even in the playoffs too. He showed that he has the ability to pitch in big games. He's got that dog mentality. And I think I I would I think if I don't want to, I I mean if the playoffs are today, I would set my rotation for the Dodgers. It should go like this: Rayu, and then Kershaw, and then Walker Bueller for Game Three, and then for Game Four, Rich Hill. The reason mm-hmm. why I have Ryu okay. number I like one that. in my rotation for the Dodgers, since assumingly they're going to be in the playoffs, is because. I think Ryu, because the Dodgers are going to get home field advantage for sure in the playoffs, and he loves pitching at home. And I think he's the better option to go game one of the playoff series. And then you get okay. Kershaw right. the next day. People think Kershaw's okay. no longer the number one guy of the Dodgers. I still think he's the ace of this team, but he's not the number one pitcher on the Dodgers right now. Well, not right now. I think he's, you know, I, I think he'll obviously be fine as the playoffs come but around. But he's just not number one right now. He's He has a good record. He, he lost for the first time in, like, 21 starts. Yeah, he's got a good record, but he's not I, he's not pitching in the same way that Ryu has been pitching this season. Absolutely. So let's talk about some managers on the hot seat already. I think, uh, I think Ned Yost and Scott Service are on there already, but I'm not putting Davey Martinez or uh, – Mickey Calloway on there just yet because this is only their second years in, on the on the jobs. No, I agree with you. Um, you know, like you said, this is this is fairly easy. Uh, Scott Service, obviously, uh, with the way that the Mariners have just absolutely taken a nosedive. Uh, Ned Yost, I think it's about time to get him out of there just because of the tra- way that they're transitioning. It's nice what he did for them during their World Series runs and stuff, but you know, time to get a new guy in there. Um, but don't put know, it in I, other than that just yet, or, uh, or, or your manager, Mickey Calloway. No, I agree with you. I, I don't think give up on them yet. I don't think uh, you've given up on Mickey Calloway. Other than that, I think Mickey Calloway is still the right guy for this, for this job. No, I think he's perfectly fine right now. And they're still showing that obviously the Mets are still showing, even though that their record isn't great, they've shown glimpses that they have the ability to compete. I think once they lose that ability, totally is kind of where I would cut with, the court. With Mickey Calloway and with the Nationals, yes. if they fire Davey Martinez, then they're in bankrupt. This this organization will be in bankrupt because they have to. They're going to go through manage two managerial changes in the past two to three seasons. 
Yeah, I think that firing Davey Martinez would a be mistake. nothing short of desperation, in my opinion, for the Nationals. They're just going – they would be going through, like you said, their second manager in three years, desperately trying to find that culture change after Bryce Harper leaves. I mean, to me, it sounds desperate to try to quickly turn around the organization. Hello? Hello? 